Cool fact, a crocodile can't stick out its tongue. Also, you can get health insurance for a month or just under a year in some states. United Healthcare short-term insurance plans, underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, offer flexible, budget-friendly coverage for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Welcome to an Everything Iconic Pop Dive with me, Danny Pellegrino, where my guests and I deep dive into iconic pop culture touchstones. Today, we're diving into the early part of Mariah Carey's career. Between 1990 and 1995, she released five hit albums. That's five albums in five years. Her self-titled debut album was released on June 12, 1990, selling over six million copies and winning the Grammy for Best New Artist. Since that debut, she's had 18 number one hits more than any other solo artist in history. I mean, we could talk about a lot of different Mariah eras, but we're going to focus on 1990 to 1995. Born in Long Island, New York, it's unclear whether she was born in 1969 or 1970 as Mariah celebrates anniversaries, not birthdays. So Wikipedia lists both years as her birthday. She has an unparalleled vocal range and countless records in the books. She spent the most weeks at number one with One Sweet Day off the Daydream album. And just this year, Billboard released a list of the biggest hits in Hot 100 history. Mariah Carey bested every other artist with a record 11 entries on the list. She's not just a singer. She's a writer who has written almost all of her hits to date. Everything from Vision of Love to All I Want for Christmas and Fantasy. And just this past year, she was nominated for a Golden Globe for her song The Star. And she's currently headlining in Vegas and working on a new album. I invited musician and fellow Lambly member Matt Palmer over to talk about Mariah's early career. Again, the five albums she released between 1990 and 1995. Everything from her self-titled debut album through the Daydream album. That's everything before her iconic and career-reshaping Butterfly album in 1997, which we'll save for a part two. We discussed how those albums and her personal life shaped her career and more. This is an Everything Iconic pop dive into Mariah Carey. Her sweet soprano is a music lover's dream. She first won us over with her vision of love. She stirred our emotions, soothed us with I'll be there, and found the hero in us all. One sweet day with boys to men turned into 16 weeks at number one. Gold, platinum. Mariah Carey knows how to make it happen. Okay, guys, I'm here with Matt Palmer. Matt Palmer, you have sort of been on this show before. We used mm-hmm. your song, Inevitably. Yes. You're a musician, a yes. singer. Yes. Um, how, and you love Mariah. You're a lamb. The biggest lamb around. Yeah. Are, did you listen to her right from the jump off? No, I was a little young when she first started. Uh, but I remember the first time I heard Fantasy, I was um, in the car and I was like eight years old and I heard the song. I was like, this is the best song I've ever heard. And I went sure. inside, saw the video, and I was like, oh my God, she's gorgeous. Like, I'm in love with her. And. 
here we are. Right. Wait, so how old are you? How old I am 31, so I was eight oh. at the time. Okay. Yeah. All right. I thought you were young. You, you have a baby face. Oh, Have okay. people told you that before? Uh, not really, <laughs> but I'll take it. I it's a beautiful it. baby face, but I'm just like, oh, wait, how old is he? I was about to get really jealous. <laughs> <laughs> no, 31. <laughs> My okay. normal age. So do you have a favorite song of hers in general? <sighs> um, yes, it's tough. I would say favorite song overall is a song called Outside on the Butterfly album, Last mm. Track. Excellent. Um, favorite single, I think, Always Be My Baby is just such a perfect song in every yeah. way. So um, I am going to drop this right now okay. off the bat. Did okay. you know that I duetted with her to the song? Excuse me? <laughs> <laughs> like, I was at her Vegas show, and I was in the audience, and she came back. And I was, I'm not kidding you, like drunker than ever. Is <laughs> <laughs> drunker a word? I, I don't know if that's a word, but oh I was God. so... Blackout drunk. But I'm taking a video. She's like walking from the stage into the aisles. And I'm taking a video. And I say duet very loosely. <laughs> but so I'm like looking. You, I did the self-facing. You know, the self And I'm videoing it. I'm videoing it. And then she's like walking up behind me. Wow. And then she like stops over at my shoulder. And I'm singing along. And she's singing into the microphone. And literally like I drop the, fo- I drop the camera. And I just say to her, oh my god, I love you so much. <laughs> Like and you can hear it. We'll play it. I you can hear it in the video. Like oh I just God. shouted. Oh, I love you so. Much. I had it's a similar like, interaction in number one to infinity. She walked by us. I got our seats because I knew she was walking through the audience. Sure. So, but she walked by us, and there was like a crazy guy trying to get to her. But I was like, I'm not going to be crazy. I'm not going to touch you. I'm just going to say I love you and put my hand to my heart. And she appreciated that. Uh, we had like a moment. So I, that's the best. I feel like she really loves her fans. And just talking to people that have worked with her or whatever, it's like she loves her fans. Absolutely. Yeah. Um, so your favorite album, Butterfly? Butterfly, yeah. What yeah. about you? Uh, I think Day, I mean, I go back and Daydream. I can fluctuate. Daydream, Butterfly. Daydream has my favorite song, which is Forever. I've yes. mentioned before. It's like just such a beautiful ballad. Uh, but I love Butterfly. I love I love a lot of it. Yeah. I mean, I, it's all the uh, Christmas album, the first one is yes. just so near and dear to me. But so between 1990 and 1995, she released an album every year. So her self titled debut album came out in October of 1990. Mm-hmm. Or no, I'm sorry, that's September of 1990. So she came out with an album every year, that self-titled debut album. Do you have a favorite from that one? I think my favorite on that one is um, Alone in Love. I really love. I feel like it kind of gives you a preview of like what her sound is going to become. Right. I'm always amazed that she writes all of her own music. I so I feel like she doesn't get enough credit for her songwriting. I completely agree. Because she wrote Vision of Love. She wrote All I Want for Christmas is You. Lyrically, she's brilliant. Yes. And people just sort of think of her as a vocalist. And so whenever people say like, oh, she lost her voice now or something like that, I'm like, well, she still wrote all of those songs. I she's know. brilliant. And I think that's what makes her album so solid all the way through. Because a lot of the times, especially at that time, it was like, we're just trying to get as good singles and then like everything else can be garbage. But since she's writing it all, it's like, oh, the quality pretty solid all the way through. There's a lot of single choices that are available to us. Right, right. Do you think she's misunderstood? I do. I think because I, because I, I mean, I, I, 
I've been going on dates with people and Mariah's come up shock. <laughs> and they're always like, <laughs> like first date, like how do you always feel? comes up early? Uh, and they're like, I mean, she has such a good voice, but what like an awful personality. And I'm oh. like, I know. It's really like people don't get that she's A in on the joke. People don't right. get that she writes the songs. People think, oh, since she's like over the top and very feminine, that she can't be serious at the same time. And right, hundred percent. And I always think too, it's so interesting to look at the early part of her career. Mm-hmm. And she had that sort of career shift around Butterfly where she started dressing sexier and everything like that and I don't think people realize the reason behind it all Yes, and it's like she was so secluded by Tommy when she was married to Tommy Mm Mottola that you know she was coming out of her shell in a way I mean for five for those first five albums she was completely controlled by him so then finally for the first time in her life she divorced this man and gosh I mean let's get into the Tommy stuff really quick so she married Tommy in 1993, but she was with them before that. Right. She had been doing background vocals for Brenda Starr, mm-hmm. and then Brenda gave her demo to Tommy Mottola. Yes. So he was 20 years older. She married him when she was 21. Mm-hmm. He was 41. Mm-hmm. I mean, so that in and of itself, it's like, that's a father figure, right? And I think it's interesting. He had a lot of control over her. And at a young age, you're so impressionable at that age already. So that's like such an important time of her life. And she's got this man who's much older, more of a father figure to her. And he's controlling what she does. He's controlling the music she makes, the image she's putting out. And so I think it's only natural that when she comes out of that... She's, uh, you know, a butterfly. <laughs> She's a butterfly. <laughs> Truly. <laughs> this uh, this pop dive is going to be dramatic. I'm excited way, about it. Uh, no, I completely agree. And the fact that, like, it wasn't even just professionally. It was like he kept her in this house, right. which I think was in upstate New York or something. And she was sequestered away from everyone. For the first five years of her, like, as a famous person, she only, like, came out of that home to work. And she would record her albums there. Like, she, right. he wouldn't even let her go out at night and, like, be with anyone that was not him. This huge ever. estate that was two pools and it, it was yes. like she was stuck there in Jermaine Dupri even tells a story when they were working on uh, one of the Daydream remixes. Mm-hmm. He tells a story about how Debrat came over and Debrat, you know, kind of took her out of the house right. and Tommy got so upset and he like in the story he tells that there were they had guns bodyguards with right. guns and stuff like they were so upset that Mariah got out of the house yeah like the brat took her to like McDonald's and right. it was like five, five alarm like huge problem like he was not that was not allowed so think about what that would do to someone's like mind brain everything at such an impressionable age to not be able to leave the house I, I mean it's crazy and yeah I feel like she's been singing about it and referencing it for like since then like every album she has a song on equals MC squared called side effects which she She's like still dealing with. She's like, it's hard to let people in. It's hard to right. trust people. I always feel like they're going to try to control me because that's such a time in your life. And to have that kind of taken away from her, I don't know. That's right. sad. And also, I mean, we're skipping ahead, but that feud with JLo is largely fueled by Tommy Mottola. And I don't think people understand sort of the root of the feud with JLo. Exactly. And what is with JLo? I don't know. Die kenne ich nicht. Right. Whitney's, okay. Whitney's, Whitney's here. She's like, what? <laughs> So let's, do you know? I do, yeah. So she had gotten off of Columbia Records, which Tommy Mottola was the head of in the U.S., to work on Glitter, which may have been ill-fated, but whatever. So she worked on Loverboy, which is the first single on Glitter, and sampled a song uh, called Firecracker. I don't remember who it was by. But basically, Tommy was still hearing these early versions of these songs, because internationally, she was still on Columbia. And so he was like, okay... 
Uh, I know that she has a song that a uh, song that samples Firecracker. And I know she has a song that features Ja Rule. Let's have JLo record a song that samples the same song, put it out before, and have the remix feature Ja Rule and put it out before. So by the time Glitter comes out, this will all have been done. sort of a pawn like no one really knows right no one really knows no. if JLo knew the extent of all this but she was sort of the pawn right. in Tommy Mottola so it's like of course Mariah was pissed off yeah. because her lead single was this lover boy song and it was like she had to change it all up because right. she didn't want to look like she was copycatting JLo right and yeah. yeah no I think I don't feel like JLo really knew about it but she was just like the yeah. person that was it but so a lot of people just hear the sort of passing things and then they go oh, mariah's being a diva with all this stuff and it's like she could have mariah could have commented more on this but she yeah. decided to go the shadier route and just kind of be the, <laughs> like throw the light shade right uh yeah so i wonder i always wonder if j-lo you know i wish j-lo would say like oh i didn't know maybe yeah. she has i know that she said she's a fan of mariah's uh i don't know that she's ever really referenced what happened yeah so, who knows <laughs> so the debut album had these singles. It had Vision of Lo- Love, Love Takes Time, Someday, I Don't Want to Cry, and There's Got to Be a Way. So those first four went to number one. Mm-hmm. There's Got to Be a Way, didn't it? Mm-hmm. Uh, but all of those songs, I mean, Love's take, Love Takes Time, I Don't Want to Cry, these are still songs that we hear today on the yeah. radio. Like, they're still played. And then uh, the first four singles that went to number one, that's the first time that happened since the Jackson 5. Uh, she has that whistle register. You're a singer. What's the... Uh, What's the, what's a what's it about her voice that is so special? Um, well, obviously the whistle register, the fact that she it's like very Minnie Ripperton loving you kind of thing. Like not a lot of people were doing that since then, especially like doing it and having it sound good. Mm-hmm. Uh, but obviously beyond just the range, I feel like people don't even realize how like low she goes. Like she goes pretty low for like most guys in a lot of songs. Right. So eight octaves, obviously. I I. She, I feel like she switches from her head voice into her chest a lot, which is, like, very Mariah to me. And so she, like, belts a lot and, like, kind of goes up and keeps it light and then comes back down. So, I don't know. She's very agile. She's very versatile with her voice. I mean, obviously, Whitney Houston is, like, a very close comparison. And Whitney's all power and all, like, look at how impressive. And, like, Mariah can do that. And I feel like in the earlier albums, they were kind of pushing her to do more of that. But she, I feel like she can sound different on every single song. She, and, like, kind of her voice evolves in every album. And I don't know. I just, it always touched me. The sound you know, I just saw that Whitney documentary. Did oh, you see it? it yeah. Oh, my God. It, it was, was so... Yeah, it was so good. And I had seen the Showtime one, too. There was, like, I've a Showtime. Yeah, and I thought, going into the one that was in theaters, the, the second one, mm-hmm. I thought, oh, I've seen it all. Mm-hmm. But it was still so good. Right. I mean, just watching Whitney. And Whitney, too, had gone through so much. I feel like a lot of these artists, when they're shot to superstardom at such a young age, mm-hmm. Like to have that level of success, you have to, things have to happen. It's not, you know, you have to give up things. You have to give up part of your life and people have to really kind of do crazy things to get you to that point. Right. right? But that really fucks up with your, uh, you know, your mental state and everything. And it's just, I don't know. It's tough. Um, I think uh, a lot of artists, they sort of try to emulate that Mariah whistle register Mm -hmm. or the runs. Yeah. Uh, Do you, what artists do you think really 
do that well or try to emulate Mariah? Um, I feel like a lot of female artists come out and like it's like we're doing the Mariah thing. Like Jessica Simpson when she came out with <laughs> I Wanna Love You Forever. I really we went, I love And her. the thing is she tricked us all. I was like, sure. oh, she's a great singer. Tricked us all. And she listened back and it's like, oh my goodness. You no, hit the nail on the head. Not Matt. at all. She tricked us all. She did. Jessica Simpson's not a good singer. I love her. I love you, Jess. <laughs> yeah, we love her, but it's not the same like yeah. talent base, I don't think. Um, but I feel like Christina Aguilera and obviously like an Ariana Grande, Leona Lewis, a lot of people come out and it's like, oh, Mariah's my favorite. And like, you can hear it in all of my runs and my whistle register stuff. And you could tell they grew up with Mariah. Yes. Yeah. And I had a very tough time with Ariana initially, because especially on this first album or two, it was like, it wasn't even like, we're just singing like Mariah. It's like the music was very Mariah too. And it was just like, this is too close. It was like watching, um... Tom Hanks in that animated movie about trains. You know what I'm talking uh, about? <laughs> and it's just like, this is a little... Wait, what movie? What's the, Polar, Polar Express. Express. It's like, it's not animated. It's not human. And it's oh, just like a little yeah, gross. Yeah. <laughs> and like, that's how I felt about her initially. Perfect analogy. <laughs> <laughs> but I do, I've grown to like her a lot more. I feel like she's found more of her sound. And I feel like of the Mariah people, she's probably like doing it closest to what Mariah was doing and like uh but it still has been around the longest so yeah I kind of respect her I always thought Leone Lewis had more talent than we gave her credit for or, or she should have been bigger than she was yes right yeah like, she was kind of just that one song and it was like a lot of she had a lot of good songs yeah actually. and her voice was flawless excellent flawless but yeah. I don't know what you know sometimes you just need those hits but yeah. Bleeding Love was a bop oh my gosh <laughs> Jesse McCartney thank you so much I know so then <laughs> September 1991 we got Emotions which mm-hmm. of course had the singles Emotions yeah. it had Make It Happen Can't Let Go can't let go peaked at number two make it happen peaked at number five and emotions Mm. went to number one um out of all the early albums i feel like emotions was not i don't want to say the worst one it's sort of the the worst one (laughs) (laughs) right it was made very quickly after right. the debut, and it was. It kind of felt like, okay, rushed. we're giving Mariah... It was rushed, and like we're giving Mariah more control, and she was like, let's do like a gospel jazzy thing. And it's like, that's not bad, right. but it's like, there aren't as many bops. I think Can't Let Go, I must say, is, I feel like oh, one yeah. of her best. But yeah, I kind of agree with that. And Emotions is great, but oh, my it's God. just... I mean, there's not a, as many iconic songs. No. And it was, I feel like, a lot about like showcasing how gr- big her range was and like how amazing her voice was more than like these songs are good. She got a lot of flack around this time for not doing enough televised performances and yes. touring as much. Mm-hmm. And that was what uh, the, the response was MTV's Unplugged in 1993, mm-hmm. which, of course, she had I'll Be There, the cover of the Jackson 5 song, which went to number one. Yeah. Uh, did you watch Unplugged when it aired? Uh, well, not or when after. it aired, but I like went once I got into it, I like, went back and bought everything including the vhs of the mtv unplugged uh and yeah it just was like i guess at some point at the end she's like you know i don't do this a lot and like it was just so nice to see her up there sounding really great and like she wasn't as comfortable as i think she would become on stage but she was kind of getting there uh but i feel like that also has to do with a lot of the fact that like mariah carey has five grammys like she has two from the first album and then three from the emancipation of mimi so all between there's that, so many more that she should have gotten. yes but I, I feel like people were like oh she's married to the head of this company like she's not a real artist we never see her out singing like how much of this is studio trickery you know it's so, so interesting you say that because at the the daydream album which was 95 mm-hmm. she was nominated for more a, a grammy than anyone else that yes. year and she lost all of them and of course famously like the camera kept cutting to her after every yes. single loss because they had expected her to win all these yeah. Grammys I mean Daydream was huge it was so well received it was nominated more than anyone else she sang One Sweet Day mm-hmm. which of course is the longest running number one I know. Uh, of all time yeah. Yeah. 
Like she should have gotten a ton of Grammys for that album, that song. I mean, for fantasy, for everything. And it's like, it's just devastating. The fact that she's only won that. And she I references know. it now all I the know. time about not getting as many Grammys as she should have. <laughs> yeah. And I, I did watch that live, that like 96 Grammys or whatever. And like, that was a tough day. And the thing is, Alanis Morris. <laughs> that was a tough, a tough day, day for a, it for was, a eight-year-old. For eight-year-old. <laughs> but I mean... <laughs> Alanis won everything, and like Jagged Little Pill is excellent. Right. Like no shade to Alanis, of course, but like you couldn't throw her one or two. I know one sweet day. I mean, come please, on. please, come on. Um, but back to MTV's Unplugged. That mm. song, I'll be there. She did it at Michael's funeral. <gasps> yes, yeah, she did it at Michael's funeral. Yeah. That's, I mean, her cover of that is just so good with Trailer Red. Unbelievable. And actually, speaking of Michael, Michael stuck up for her publicly with the Tommy stuff. Yeah. I don't know if you ever saw the clip. I've seen it. But Michael famously said that Tommy Matola's evil, and he said that after him and Mariah broke up, mm. I forget the exact words he used, but he said Mariah came over to his house afterwards and said, look, like Tommy did this, this, and this. Yeah. And he said it, you know, he was saying it at a public event, and he's like, wait, you guys take down the cameras, and then he sort of says, wait, film it, tape yeah, it. Don't do that, don't do that. So it's kind of like a little inside look. And I right. think we don't know the extent of their relationship with Michael and uh, and Mariah. But in the Whitney documentary, mm-hmm. speaking of, uh, they reference how Whitney would go and sit with Michael because they understood each other. Yeah. And they wouldn't even talk. They would just like lay. Oh, wow. And I think it's interesting. A lot of artists have that relationship with Michael. Because not, no one knows how, what it's like to be a superstar right. at that level. Exactly. Yeah. No, I think Michael, because I think uh, Tommy had unpromoted Invincible and he was upset about that. And so he was saying a lot of things that I'm sure were true. Um, but I think Mariah's team had to come out and be like, well, we didn't say he was racist. Because yeah, <laughs> yeah. I think that's also <laughs> yeah, part yeah. of the rant. <laughs> yeah, there was like a little, it was a long rant. <laughs> yeah, there was a long rant. There's a lot to be said there. <laughs> <laughs> so then in 1993, she came out with Music Box. Mm-hmm. Music Box had Dream Lover, which went to number one. Yes. Hero, which went to number one and was originally written for Gloria Estefan. Of course. Uh, Without You, which went to, it peaked at number three in the U.S., but it was her biggest international hit at that time. And then Anytime You Need a Friend, which peaked at number 12. Uh, Do you remember that album? Uh, Yeah, that was one of the first ones when I was like going back and buying her old albums that really stuck out to me. Like, I think um, looking back on it now, uh, just what I've gleaned from Mariah is like, she doesn't love that album. It feels like that was when it was like, okay, we're course correcting. You were supposed to be our biggest artist ever. We gave you a little control and like, you only sold 4 million instead of 10 million. Like, let's do something different. And so it was, it's probably her most adult contemporary. Like, it's her most, like, I'm kind of like Celine in this way. Like, I can sing these big ballads with big long notes and people will love them. Um, and, like, her voice sounds like almost as good as it'll ever sound. And, like, the songs are incredible and show that voice off. I think maybe personally for me, it might be lyrically a little lacking. Like, it's, yeah. it's not as, um, like specific and like uh, as as she can be as a writer, but I think it's really great, and I love the title track as well. Yeah. Even though it's like, oh, are you singing about Tommy? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. You know, I remember getting a karaoke cassette of this album. What? You know, I had a karaoke machine at this age. Yes. <laughs> so I was. What year was this? This was ninety three. Yeah. I was eight yeah. years old, <laughs> and I got a karaoke machine. And I remember doing karaoke to Hero in the basement. Like wow. no one was witnessing it, but there's a tape somewhere of me singing Hero. Oh my goodness! Yeah, I think there's a tape of me singing. I don't know, it was something, but I was wearing like, <laughs> how gay was I? I was wearing like a sleeveless black <laughs> tank top, like lip syncing, maybe music box. And I was just like, this yeah. is great. <laughs> oh, we need to find that footage. <laughs> yeah, we definitely need to see that. <laughs> 
So then in 94, she came out with Merry Christmas, her first Christmas album. And I was taking notes for this. You know, all, I was taking notes for all of these albums. Mm-hmm. And when I got to Merry Christmas, I just wrote, I can't. So I, just, <laughs> I, got, I just like love it. I can't. Like, I love it so, so much. It's, it's so perfect. good. It's perfect. For Christmas is a view. Joy to the World was released as a single. Oh, Hold, oh Holy Night was released as a single. I mean, wow. this album. It's just, it's just like the thing is, that was one thing that she, even today she's like, you know what? That was Tommy's idea. Yeah. It was yeah, like she that. Didn't wanna do that. I didn't want to do that. I felt like that was something old people did. But then after that, everybody was doing Christmas albums. Because right. like Mariah's was just so. Again, I feel like even now, like you listen to the like Kelly Clarkson original Christmas songs. Some of them are great, but some of them it's like, oh, you want this to be right, all right, Christmas right. is you, and that's just a big ask. Like, who, not even no one can do it. No one I can. Mean, do no that. one's come up with a song since. Um, but I always say, all I want for Christmas is you. It's like that song. Even if that's the only thing Mariah ever did, she deserves our respect. Absolutely. Like, if that was the only thing she ever did in this world, she yes. deserves our respect for that. I, I wonder how much she makes on that song every year. I always think about that. I Maybe do that's too. tacky, I do but too. I am just like. This song is going to outlive all of us. It's going to outlive rock and roll. It's going to, it's just going to pay for everything for her entire family from now on. I mean, last Christmas she had a film version of it, an uh, yeah. animated film. I watched it. <laughs> oh, I never I did. I mean, I watched it. It's like for little kids. Right. Uh, I also really love off that album, I Miss You Most at Christmas Time. <sighs> it's such a stunningly beautiful ballad. Yes. I get by without you. like Mariah's balance. I was listening to that in preparation for today and like walking in the sun to West Elm and I was like, I'm sad about Christmas. Uh, <laughs> like I'm just, <laughs> I'm just currently sad about sad. Christmas. Sure. Just oh. The lyrics to that song are just so heartbreaking yes. and it's beautiful. I remember watching the video like on a Christmas Eve putting on the TV, on VH1, I remember they were playing like all of Mariah's Christmas videos mm-hmm. around that time. And I remember just being a kid and watching, they all sort of had that same visual look yes. at the time. Uh, isn't Tommy in the All yeah, I Want for Christmas he's the video? Santa. He's Santa. Yeah. Oh, I know. I know. It's dark. That's, <laughs> no, just, a, that's the darkest <laughs> the dark. moment of this timeline. <laughs> Absolutely. <laughs> the inclusion of Tommy and everything is always like, ooh. Have you seen her Christmas tours? I went and saw her last December in Vegas uh, for Christmas, and it was really incredible and excellent. It was excellent. excellent. You know, when she came out with the second holiday album, she yeah. did a special for N- ABC or NBC. Yeah. And it was a concert special, and Matt and I went. Oh my and god! And it was the best thing in the world. And she was pregnant. She was super pregnant, like super pregnant. And so she wasn't and drinking still wearing the same sort of like, of course, <laughs> low, low, sexy Santa. Oh, outfit. You saw Oh Santa live. Oh my god! I saw Oh Santa live. Uh, her mom Patricia came out and did oh, Queen she Pat. Had to, Pat had to do it like two or three times. Oh. She did Oh Come All You Faithful. Yeah. She does a duet with Mariah, and I think she did it two or three times because Pat was nervous. I guess uh, Patricia, her mom, comes from opera singing. Mm-hmm. And they told us at the taping that Patricia is not used to people clapping. Oh. So when Patricia would come on, she did this like big, uh, you know, note run or something like that, mm-hmm. and people started clapping right off the bat, yeah. and it freaked Patricia out because <sighs> she wasn't, you know, used to that. And so Mariah, I remember, came out and she's like, "Oh yeah, if you guys could just not clap." Like my mom comes from opera where they're you're not supposed to clap until oh. the end, I believe, or something like that. 
I don't know the opera rules. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, it was so good. She was so super pregnant. And again, still wearing heels. (laughs) Of course. Like still wearing heels. But what a dream. I remember just being so excited and everyone was wearing Santa hats and it was maybe October. (laughs) It was like really, you know. Um, So then in 95, she came out with Daydream, which we've talked about this. And Mm. then... So the uh, singles from this album were Fantasy, which was number one, One Sweet Day, number one, Open Arms, which was a cover. Didn't go to number one, but still great. (laughs) (laughs) Always Be My Baby, which went number one. Mm -hmm. And I always talk about grocery store anthems. That's a grocery store anthem. And then Forever, which is my number one. (laughs) Number one on your chart. (laughs) And then (laughs) Underneath the Stars, which was one of Mariah's favorites. Mm -hmm. Um, And a lot of the Lambley really loves Underneath the Stars. I mean, it's sort of like a a very popular song amongst super fans. Mm -hmm. So I want to talk a bit a bit about fantasy. That really changed the game, right? Absolutely. You're nodding along. Explain why. <laughs> well, that was obviously my first introduction to Mariah. I think what it in obviously the the pop version, the main version with the big chorus is like iconic and excellent. Never remembers that, and it like is the soundtrack to every time I go on a roller coaster. I think of it. Mm, but the remix with ODB was such a big deal because again, she's her last studio album was her most adult contemporary. It was like her Celine record, and now that her first single off her new album, it features this rapper from Wu Tang Clan, and it's just like oh my gosh, like yeah, and people didn't know that she was a huge fan of no, Wu Tang Clan, yeah. no, and so they were just like, what is this? What is Mariah doing? But it, that song was a huge hit, and I think she was still presenting innocently enough that it wasn't like when Honey came out, and it was like, oh, God, she's in you know right. heels and a midriff. Mm-hmm. Um, but so it still was just such a, a – it was the first, I feel like, superstar pop artist who had a rapper on their song, and it was like a huge, giant hit. Obviously, like, Mary J. Blige was doing it, but no one like Mariah Carey was. Right, right, right. And, and now all the girls do it. Yes. Me and Mariah go back like babies were pacifiers. That's right. Every single one of them, and she got shit for that for years. When like album tracklist would come out and be like featuring the brat, featuring whoever, whoever, people would always be like, "Oh, she can't do anything alone. I, I just want to hear her." Blah blah blah. And now there's a rap song category at the Grammys, and right. it's like she called that the Mariah. Hello. I just got chills and goosebumps. <laughs> I'm just like, listen, I feel like I just listened to just someone speak for the first time or like a child, a child speak for the first time. And I got so excited. I'm like, yep, she did that. She's, she did. She did do it. She did that. I love that album so much. It's so good. Uh, I think uh, critically it was her best album yet. And that was the first transition into R&B music, which again, she later did more and more of, mm-hmm. especially with the Butterfly album. Mm-hmm. It was nominated for six Grammys, like I said. Yes. She didn't win a single one. Yes. And that Grammy performance with Boys to Men at one sweet of One Sweet Day, mm-hmm. I want that played at my funeral. <laughs> like the Grammy performance of it, I want that played. <laughs> I mean <laughs> it's true. If you guys are around, make anyway, sure it's we'll, we'll set that up. Okay. Uh, have you seen, if anyone hasn't watched this, there's on YouTube a full like hour and a half concert of her on Daydream. The Daydream, the, out, the the concert, to- oh, Daydream Tokyo. like Tokyo Dome. I watch it once a week. I, I have no one has ever sounded that good. End of end of yeah. statement. Like she just, it's an hour and a half of her like singing her face off, like the, the highest notes you've ever heard belted. She sings hero and like does it much more difficult difficultly than the album version. It's just Flawless. like. You're 
you're an alien. Like, I get that you have no life and you must just sit back in your, like, house and drink water and tea, but... Man, it works. <laughs> do you uh, think that was her vocal peak? When do you think her vocal peak was? Personally, yes. A lot of people prefer it a little when she was younger and like it was kind of like a heavier tone. But I feel like that – I but it's also like the first time that I really got into her. But like I feel like that kind of – that was very her. Because at the beginning you could almost say, oh, this sounds a little Whitney-esque. Like this sounds kind of Whitney. But this was so specifically her like five years in. And I don't know, I felt like her belts had gotten a little lighter and, you know, there was more head voice stuff and the whistle register was less of like a party trick and more of like, oh, we'll have this as a background element. I don't know. I think that was just, I, I've never been more moved by a live performance. Sure. Yeah. I know that. I mean, the whole thing on YouTube is great. Unbelievable. Uh, and you can also buy it on Amazon as a DVD. Oh, I didn't know that. <laughs> Uh, do you have a favorite music video from this era, from the 1990 to 95? Um, I really love the Always Been a Baby video. Yeah. With, like, those two kids, and she's just, yeah. like, the narrator and like, a campfire. And, like, I remember I was, like... The tire swing. <laughs> the tire swing. And I remember, like, very soon thereafter, my friends at school were like, oh, we're going to go to camp for the summer. And I was like, oh, my God. <laughs> this is going to be just, <laughs> like, Always Been My Baby. I can't wait. It was not. But I still enjoyed it. Um, did yeah. you ever dream of going to Camp Mariah? Because I did. <laughs> Oh my god, absolutely. Yeah. But then you'd read about it and then be like, oh, I'm not a candidate. Uh, yeah. I don't, think, I don't think this is for me. So this was five albums in yeah. five years. Like, that's an insane level of, uh, you know, work ethic. Yes. And I mean, the only thing we've seen sort of since is Rihanna has, of course, famously come out with an album a year. She's not yeah. anymore, but she did for the first for few while, years. Yeah. Uh, but she wasn't writing everything. Mariah was writing every know, song of this. Like, that's insane. It's crazy. I mean, I guess it was helpful that she didn't go on tour. But back then, she didn't really have to. Like, you could still make money in the music industry and not be on tour all the time. You say that. What do you mean now? Now you can't. Well, now, like, artists make a lot less money from streaming. And from the deals they make with labels now, it's like a 360 deal. So, like, the label gets a piece of everything. And it's not like, oh, this is the artist piece that they're always going to get. It's like, oh, they get a... T- the label gets a piece of the touring and a piece of the merchandise and a piece of every single part of your career, essentially. And there's just a lot less money being made. Wait, so what was it then? Back then, I, well, albums were selling a lot more. She was writing a lot of those songs. And then it was like, that record label only made money off the albums, basically. And so if you went on tour and stuff, it's like, oh, well, this is all money that's going to be um, artists. But it's just a lot harder nowadays with streaming and, you know, how it, things to actually make money off an album. I don't know if you know this, but do you have any idea, like, off a number one song, what somebody would make back then? Like, I, I know I that's sort of a broad question. I'm not sure. I think as songwriters, like, if a song was number one, like, One Sweet Day and, like, number one for six weeks, 16, 16. weeks, um, you know, I remember the dream, and he wrote Umbrella and Single Ladies, and I remember him saying he made, like, $10 million on each of those songs, oh. so... I would imagine something like that. <laughs> right, exactly. Yeah. I would think something like that. But I feel like Macy Gray. I read an interview with her saying, like, you, <laughs> I don't know why I was reading Macy Gray interviews, but I think she said that you just need one hit to let you, if you have one, right. if you're a one hit wonder, you can live off that. Yeah, if you, I think if you wrote it, absolutely. Yeah. Uh, so then her relationship with Tommy ended shortly after the Daydream album. Mm-hmm. And then this sort of changed her career indefinitely, mm-hmm. right? Like when Butterfly came out in 1997, that's when she started dressing sexier. That was sort of her, uh, for lack of a better term, emancipation. 
<laughs> and this is your favorite album. Yes, right? it is. And I know we're not going to get too deep into Butterfly, right. but what do you love about Butterfly? I love that it is... She's coming from a place of like, I really have something to say. Like, the ballad Butterfly is written from the perspective of like, this is what I wish Tommy would have said to me, essentially. And like, every single song has a meaning behind it that's really strong. I think she's also vocally, obviously, very good still. And still walking the line of like, oh, R&B, hip hop, but like, still there's whenever you call on it, like, very pop mm. ballad, straightforward. It's so good. And I just feel like she's. At her peak artistically, and she's got so much going on that, you know, it's it's always sad, but it's like like the Adele album is really good right after she goes right. through a breakup. And then when she's, like, happy, you're like, uh-oh, I don't know. <laughs> yeah, 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 <laughs> like, yeah. So with Mariah, it's just like you got kind of every sound that she's best at. And um, she was still so young at yeah. this point. I yeah. mean, she was still in her 20s doing yeah. this. And... Yeah, and to imagine all the crap she got around this time when she started dressing sexier, it was like everyone gave her shit. I remember her being on Rosie O'Donnell and Rosie O'Donnell, who of course I love, but right. Rosie was like, I need you to stop dressing like that. <laughs> right. And and Mariah sort of not kindly said, like, you know, I haven't been able to wear what I want for yeah. five years. Right. And so I always hate, even now I hate when people are like, oh, she can't dress like that. I it's know. like she was literally not able to dress however she wanted for five or six years. Yeah. You know, it's like, let her wear whatever the fuck she wants. And also, don't tell women what to wear. Don't tell women what to wear in general. Thank you, Whitney. (laughs) Uh, There was recently, did you see uh, Madonna? She just turned 60, right? And there was just this big headline. I forget the uh, where it was published. I think maybe The Guardian, Mm -hmm. but maybe not. I don't know. But they were, uh, you know, referencing that she was dressing inappropriately for being 60 or it said, and it's like, come on, let her wear whatever, let her do whatever the fuck she wants. The fact that Madonna, I think... And look, I'm not always a huge Madonna fan, but I think it's so important for her at 60 years old to be coming out and doing whatever the fuck she wants to do and dressing however the fuck she wants to dress and dating whoever she wants and showcasing that women at 60 years old, a woman doesn't have to go shrivel up and die. It's like, thank you. (laughs) But there's some weird, and I know we always talk about the double standard with men, but there's some weird thing where it's like women aren't allowed to get or or when they reach a certain age, oh, they should retire. Yes. And it's like men aren't expected to retire at. 50 or 60. And especially in music, like, I honestly, the radio does not play you if you are a woman yeah. over a certain age. And, like, Pharrell can have happy. How old is Pharrell? Pharrell looks great, of course, but, like, sure. he's in his 40s too. And it's like, why does he get the chance to be, like, the coolest guy around? And, like, it's like, well, Mariah, maybe if you have a song with Miguel, we'll play it for a little bit and then we'll drop it. And it's just, it's not fair. It's no, not fair. it's not fair at all. I mean, she's come out with a lot of that thirsty off the let. Her last album had a lot of great hits. Ugh, preach in the choir. <laughs> yeah, but it was like, me, I am Mariah. We're talking about yeah. that album was so good, yes. but there's something about I don't know what it is. It's like I think some people don't really get that she's in on. You mentioned her being in on the joke. Yeah. It's like some people don't see that with her, right? And then now we've talked a lot about her bipolar announcement yeah, with yeah. People Magazine, and it's like there's just so much going on there that I think people don't really give credence to, and they just would rather shrug off and say, oh, she's past her prime and she's dressing like a a slut or whatever it is. I read something, I think it might have been a review of like the top like a hundred songs in Rolling Stone that they put out of like the past decade or something and someone said, We Belong Together wasn't that good. She was way past her prime then and I was like, are you (laughs) fucking kidding me? (laughs) I was so pissed when I saw that. Insane! It's like that was the biggest song of the entire decade. Like two decades in a row, Mariah wrote the biggest song, wrote and performed and like, you're gonna say that? Like, are you out of your mind? you just said is she 
had the Billboard's biggest song of the decade for two decades in a row. Yes. 1990, it was Vision. One Sweet Day. One Sweet Day. And then uh, this next decade, it was We Belong Together. Yes. And yeah, this, this what was it, Rolling Stone? Yeah, they said, I don't know if it was Rolling Stone. I don't remember somewhere. Who it was. They, they said it was like not that great yeah, or something. Like, I was like, oh my ridiculous. God, are you kidding me? That song was insane. It was everywhere. Uh, we talked a lot about Tommy's relationship. Uh, and in 2005, she said, that relationship shaped who I am. It beyond shaped me. I still have nightmares about it. Mm. And again, we've heard so many stories about that time period, about between 1990 and 95, mm. about her life with Tommy. And she did get out of the relationship, but it didn't end there. Like you said, with Glitter, that was 1999. Yeah. He was still doing things to sort of, you know, fuck with her. Absolutely. He had so much power in the industry and over her. Yeah. I don't know. It's 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 sad because I think I feel like I've seen clips of her being asked about like when that whole Rihanna and Chris Brown thing was happening. I feel like Larry King asked right. her maybe like, have you? Do you know anything about like abusive relationships? Which, by the way, like weird question, Larry Queen. But like, <laughs> I, I still watch his web show sometimes, and it's like so batch. <laughs> Is it? He seems like a he's weird like guy. very old. I mean, speaking of like people that shouldn't be working anymore. <laughs> Like, glare. Every time you watch, it's like I'm on the edge of my seat. Like, is he gonna? Like, is, is, like, is he? Is this you know being broadcast from the beyond? Because he's just like, it's, it's like a zombie or something. But I still watch it all the time. Like, I'll check it every a couple of weeks. I'll go into Hulu and check it. That's where, <laughs> and I'll just see who see who he had on. And sometimes we'll have like a good random celebrity, right? But yeah, I mean, he books like the kind of people that we book on this show. It's like, <laughs> it's like he's not still booking Mariah Carey. Right. But, uh, yeah. Anyway. I think he, he, and then Mariah said about the abuse, she was like, well, there are different types of abuse. Right. So, uh, yeah, I mean, I think there's no question that she was emotionally abused there. Just because if you have someone that's so much in control of every part of your life, and like you said, and she, she says, like, I, you know, she, in the song Pedals, she said she, uh, like sought out a patriarch basically so young predictably and it's like yeah she didn't grow up with her dad and she wanted someone like that in her life but to have him romantically in charge and business in charge it's just too much and imagine how much strength it would take to get out of that relationship for someone who is so powerful in the industry and had control over your career so not just your your love life but also your career it's like the strength to get out of that is i mean good job i know Uh, people yeah people give her a lot of as i said that i got goosebumps about what i was saying (laughs) That's good. I was like, oh my God, this is amazing. (laughs) Oh my God, this is so right. (laughs) One of the things that people always say about Tommy Mottola is that he made her career. Do you think that she would have had as big of a career without him? I mean, I know she she gives him props and say Mm. you definitely – he definitely helped her career. Well, yeah. I think what people don't talk about because it wasn't a part of the story at the time was she had another deal on the table with Warner Brothers. Like, It's not like Tommy was her only option, but if he was this invested in her and was going to put this much money behind her, of course she'd go with him. Uh, But yeah, I I, I hate that because it's like, how could you discount her talents? And then if afterwards, after Tommy, after Tommy not only wasn't around but was trying to actively ruin her career, she became as big as she ever was again. Right, and I mean, he married Talia, and she wasn't a huge star, so he wasn't able to make her into a huge star. And he, I think he was the head of uh, Lindsay Lohan's record label, Uh Casablanca, (laughs) when she came on music. And we love Lindsay, but like, Rumors was the only hit, I think. (laughs) Although I do love that song, uh, Daughter to Father. Oh, it's great. It's great. Which she directed that music video, so first of all. Second of 
of all, there's a dance remix to that. I remember around that time, like it would play at the gay clubs, like the dance remix of the song about daughter to father, which is, that's so dark though. Like, like I remember being at a gay club and they were just playing that. They were playing the music video where she's like yelling at her, you know, father. And the the lyrics are like, so I think it's even called personal or something like in parentheses it says like personal raw (laughs) raw. you know but still like the gay club was playing like a dance beat of this song and it's like oh my god that's not oh (laughs) and i just want to say that tommy in his book he mentioned that he shouldn't have been with mariah right so he's been pretty open about this stuff too so it's not like we're i know we're hating on (laughs) tommy a lot but he seems to have recognized that this was a poor relationship yeah i think he says like his therapist told me not to be in the relationship and i should have listened right so we are all in agreement there right do you have a favorite Mariah moment? Uh, a favorite Mariah lyric? Oh my goodness! I mean, because lyrically she's so lyrically. You you go. I'll have to think of. I mean, there's so many. I yeah. love uh, these chickens is ash and lotion. Of I'm trying to shake it off. <laughs> But I think Heartbreaker, some of the lyrics in Heartbreaker are just amazing. No, absolutely. I, I, I think looking back to like the looking in lyrics and the outside lyrics, I, I love how at the end of most of her albums, it's like we're going to do a sad introspective ballad. And those are always the ones that I'm like, I feel you, girl. Yeah. Uh-huh. yeah. Okay, so we're going to take a little break here and then we're going to come back and talk to you a little bit about your music and your stuff. Oh my God. Look, the weather's getting warmer. You got to ditch the jackets, the sweaters, and you got to put on some shorts and tees. And if you're anything like me, you hate getting all the new stuff. But luckily, I've found Quince, and Quince makes it so easy uh, to get clothes. I used to waste my money on clothes that would only last one season. That was until I found out about Quince. Now I've got high-quality pieces that never go out of style that I'll be wearing year after year. Quince has all of the seasonal must-haves, like 100% European linen shirts from $30, performance polos. Those are my personal favorite. I always love getting new polos for the summertime, and they have a fantastic selection. I'm very particular about the collar, and I love the collar on the performance polos that I got. They also have versatile flow-knit activewear, and the best part, all Quince items are priced 50 to 80%, less than similar brands. And by partnering directly with top factories, Quince cuts the cost of the middleman and passes the savings on to all of us. And Quince only works with factories that use safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing practices, along with premium fabrics and finishes, which I love. Feel good about shopping with them. Now, again, I got those polos, but I also got some shorts, some t-shirts, just some basics that I can wear year-round. So upgrade your wardrobe. Go to quince.com iconic for free shipping on your order and 300 65 day returns. That's quince, Q-U-I-N-C-E dot com slash iconic to get free shipping and 365 day returns. Quince.com slash iconic. Ah, I love that sound, don't you? And that's the sound you're going to hear when you switch your business to Shopify, the global commerce platform that supercharges your selling wherever you sell online, in person, on social media and beyond. Uh, We use it here at Everything Iconic. Shopify is the best all-in-one commerce platform capable of handling all your business complexity, no matter how big you grow. I think it's fantastic. You're probably thinking, sure, but migrating is going to be a headache, but Shopify's app store has the migration apps you need to migrate all of your products, your orders, your customers, and more uh, from every major e-commerce platform all the way to Shopify. And I always hate when I'm shopping online and I have to re-enter all of my information. Well, Shopify store remembers your shipping address, your payment information. So if you're on the couch and your wallet's on the kitchen counter, you don't have to get up, which is nice. So sign up today for your $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash everything iconic, all lowercase. 
That's one month for just $1 at shopify.com slash everything iconic. Shopify, S-H-O-P-I-F-Y dot com slash everything iconic. All right, I'm sure a lot of you out there can relate because every time there's a commercial break and I'm watching one of my shows, I'm always hopping on the Redfin app or website because I just want to check out real estate listings. Like, I love checking out real estate listings, even for the houses that I cannot afford. It's my favorite app to use Redfin. Uh, I just got a home, of course, but it was a pretty stressful process. And if I would have known how easy Redfin was, I think it would have helped out a lot. Redfin updates their listings every two minutes and sends you personalized recommendations. So finding the home that's perfect for you has never been easier. See something you like? Well, book a tour straight from the app. And when you're ready to buy, an experienced local Redfin agent can guide you through the whole process, making it so easy. And if you're looking to sell, Redfin agents know how to get you the best price possible for your home. That's because they sell twice as many homes as other agents with a listing fee as low as 1%. Redfin's fees are half of what others often charge, which means you'll have more money to put towards your next home. Now, that's a great thing. I love using Redfin. I love checking out. If you're buying or selling a home and you need some help with that, check out Redfin. Download the Redfin app to get started. So, so Matt, we talked a lot about Mariah. Has she really shaped your own musical career? Absolutely. Like, she's the reason that I wrote my first song. My first song was, like, kind of a ripoff of Hero. I wrote it when I was, like, 14. Love it. Uh, but there... What was it called? Shiro? <laughs> Oh, God. I think it was called, it was called Don't Let Your Heart Go. It's, oh, I love that. It was a long time ago. Uh, but, yeah, so I, I wrote music all through high school. And while people were out, like, having parties and, like, making out with people, I was, like, at home making music. <laughs> so I went to college uh, at the Clive Davis Department of Recorded Music at NYU. And so Amazing. I went there. And it was cool. Yeah, it was, like, I learned a lot about everything. But I learned the most about songwriting, which I think is my strongest suit. And so, yeah, I don't, I don't think I would be doing this if it weren't for her. Yeah. So tell me about your music. Where can people find it? Um, it. Well, it is up. My name is Matt Palmer, and uh, I just put out a visual EP entitled Get Lost. So there are seven songs. And it's so good. It's so, it goes chronologically. Yes, it does. music videos. It's so fantastic. Oh, thank and you. And we featured one of the songs on Yes, he featured Inevitably, which people seem to really like. That one's like very happy, up-tempo kind of thing. Uh, but yeah, it's on YouTube. It's on Spotify. It's everywhere you can stream or listen to music. I, you know, would love if you went and watched on YouTube because, you know, the videos, you might as well see them. Yeah, watch it. Yeah. Anything else you want to plug, Matt? Um, I guess. I have my, uh, I have a YouTube channel with my roommate if you like hearing me talk about mostly Mariah Carey, but also other music. Uh, it's called Two Gay Mats. We're on YouTube and Patreon. And thank you. Love it. And uh, yeah, if you want to hear us talk about music and musical theater and stuff. And where can people there. find you on social media? I am at Matt Palmer Music everywhere. Instagram, Twitter, all the things. Matt, this was so delightful. This so great. You know, I could talk to you about Mariah forever. And we got to do a part two where we, you know, do the next five albums or I something. Literally, and we'll be here as okay, soon we're gonna as possible. Okay, we're going to do it. And I also, I, <laughs> we have so much. <laughs> There's so many things. Uh, thank you guys so much for listening. You mentioned Patreon. We have a Patreon page. If you want to support our Patreon, go to patreon.com slash everything iconic and support this podcast. For $4 or more, you get access to all of our bonus episodes, plus Real Houses of New York recaps uh, and so much more. Please find me on social media at Danny Pellegrino on Twitter and Instagram. We have a Everything Iconic Facebook group. I want to thank Samson Technologies for sponsoring the show. I want to thank Whitney for producing. Okay, I love you guys so much for listening. Bye, Matt. Thank you. Bye, I love you. you I love me. you guys. Thank you. Bye. <laughs> 
I love decorating the house and getting furniture, but sometimes it could be overwhelming to design a space. And so luckily I'm here to tell you about a company called Cozy. Now Cozy is fantastic, a North American company that thoughtfully designs furniture made for modern living. Now, Cozy strives to provide the best furniture shopping experience with elegant, super high quality products, plus fast delivery and easy assembly, which is really important to me because I do not like putting together furniture. So the easier, the better for me. Now, Cozy offers beautiful, customizable sofas and sectionals that are made to adapt in time. This means customers can add seats to the sofas over time. Maybe if you're extending your family, you might want more space on the couch. Cozy also offers a great range of coffee tables, washable rugs, wall shelving, credenzas, TV stands, and accessories so much. It's thoughtfully designed furniture made for modern living. There's an outdoor sofa and tables collection that is fantastic. It's called the Mistral. So you can choose the perfect sofa configuration for your outdoor setup. Uh, Cozy also opened its first retail space on Queen Street in Toronto to push the experience to the next level and allow customers to engage physically with the products. So transform your living space today with Cozy. Visit Cozy.com, spelled C-O-Z-E-Y, to start customizing your furniture today. Again, that's Cozy, C-O-Z-E-Y.com.